0: Welcome to another episode of our digitally remastered old-time radio shows from SolvedMystery.com. Visit our website for complete collections of your favorite old-time radio series. Remember to follow us so you won't miss new releases from SolvedMystery.com. United States Steel, USS presents the Theater Guild on the Air. Tonight's play, *Mary, Mary, Quite Contrary*. Tonight's star, Gertrude Lawrence. United States Steel Corporation, the world's greatest maker of steel, identified by the familiar USS trademark, invites you to listen to the Theatre Guild production, Mary Mary Quite Contrary, by St. John Irvine, starring Gertrude Lawrence and featuring Peggy Conklin and Donald Buchan. Now, from Hollywood, you will hear Lawrence Langner, co-director with Theresa Halburn of the Theatre Guild, one of America's foremost theatrical producers, to introduce the play.
1: Gertrude Lawrence plays the part of a well-known English actress. It's generally believed that the author had the famous Mrs. Pat Campbell in mind when he wrote this very amusing character. Mrs. Pat Campbell is remembered both in London and New York for playing the part of Eliza Doolittle in Pygmalion. And, by a happy coincidence, Miss Lawrence is now playing the same part with enormous success on Broadway. St. John Irvine, the author of our play tonight, is also a dramatic critic, and the only one who has worked both for a New York and a London newspaper. While his middle name is spelled J-O-H-N, John, it's actually pronounced Jin, as in a martini. And now I return you to New York and Mr. Brokenshire.
0: And now the 500,000 stockholders and employees of United States Steel invite you to listen to the Theatre Guild on-the-air production of St. John Irvine's sparkling comedy, Mary, Mary, Quite Contrary, starring Gertrude Lawrence. London theatrical office, a glamorous star, a successful writer-producer, and the stars manager are discussing some of the finer points of their art. In fact, as we look in on them, the star is just saying...
2: More money.
0: Mary, please, listen to reason.
2: More money.
0: Mary, please, you're the only woman in London who can play this part, but you must see that it's absolutely impossible for me to offer...
2: More money. Oh,
0: don't, don't keep repeating that, for heaven's sake. Hobbs, make up be reasonable. What do you say, Mary?
2: What do I say? I've said it 20 times. I want more money. It's impossible. It can't be done. you ruin me. Now, look here, BB, dear. Your play is very clever, and it's sure to be successful especially with me in it. So you'll have to pay a heavier bribe, BB. It's a hold-up. Isn't it? It's degrading to do a thing just for money, but it feels much less degrading if you really get enough. So raise the bid, BB.
0: But I've already raised it five times.
2: Not enough.
0: You're very arbitrary. How
2: would anybody know I'm a great actress if I weren't arbitrary? You'll ruin me. More money, Bibi.
0: Mary, I beg you. I implore you. You'll
2: have to pay by, for it, Bibi. By all
0: the years we've worked together, by our past
2: successes oh, together, shoo,
0: I, shoo, I shoo. ask you to reconsider shoo,
2: your... I won't listen to another word. I'm tired of you, Bibi. I'm tired of your plays. I'm tired of London. Tired of it all. Get out. Get out. Get out. All get right. Out. All right. All right.
0: I'm going.
3: I'm going.
2: Hmm. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That's that.
0: What a tempest. Now what?
2: I don't care. Hobbes, would it surprise you if I told you that I've made a great decision?
0: As your manager, may I ask what it is?
2: I'm through with pandering to the public. How is that? Forever. Except now and then, of course, when I need money. Now what are you up to? From now on, I'm going to devote myself to art. Oh. Uh, to basic things, Hobbes. The poetic... You brother. don't mean... Yes, Hobbes. This play by the young, unknown poet Geoffrey Considine. That long-haired rot. Poetry, Hobbes. That's what I'm going to do next. Poetry. I'm going to call him up now and tell him. Call him Hobbes.
0: I will not. I won't have anything to do with this.
2: Then I'll call him myself.
0: Mary Westlake playing Joan of Arc. They won't swallow it.
2: Are you there? They
0: won't stand for it.
2: I wanted to call long distance to Geoffrey Considine. The public
0: will feel betrayed. At
2: the vicarage of Hinton St. Henry on the south coast.
0: Treachery, they'll cry. They'll rise up in holy anger. Quiet.
3: Poetry. Quiet. Poetry. Quiet. Rubbish.
2: Poetry.
4: What is it,
3: Jeffrey? Uh, How
0: do you mean, what is it? What's wrong? Wrong?
4: Is there anything I've said or done?
0: What on earth are you talking about, Sheila?
4: I don't know, Jeff. Lately, when I talk to you, you seem a million miles away.
0: Oh, come now, Sheila.
4: Are you thinking about your play again?
0: Well, I was thinking And about
4: Mary Westlake?
0: What about Mary Westlake? Oh,
4: ever since you went to London that time and saw her act, you haven't been the same. But
0: don't you see, Sheila, she's just exactly right. For what? For Joan of Arc. The minute I saw her, I knew how to write the play. And just think she's had it a whole month now. That must mean something. Jeff,
4: I hope you're not just deceiving yourself.
0: But it must. Oh, I can just hear her read those lines. She's the very incarnation of the spirit of Joan.
4: That old war horse. What
0: are you talking about?
4: She's covered a bit of grass.
0: What do you mean? She's at the very peak of her powers.
4: That's what I mean.
0: If only she'd do, Joe.
4: Well, I wish she'd decide so you could be your old self again.
0: Now, Sheila, nothing has changed between us. You'll always be the same to me, the girl next door. The girl next door. And you and I will always be Jeffrey,
5: Jeffrey, come quickly, dear. Telephone. Telephone? All right, Mother, coming. Hurry, hurry, dear. It's long distance from London.
0: Good Lord, Mother. Did they say who it was?
5: No, I couldn't quite understand, dear. Some people seem to be arguing on the other end of the
2: line.
0: Arguing? Hello? Are you there? Are you there? Uh, Yes, are you?
2: Is this the young poet? I beg pardon? Is this Geoffrey Considine, the poet of the soil, the voice of the past and of the future?
0: This is Geoffrey Considine.
2: How nice. Young man, you're wonderful, wonderful. Your work has moved me deeply.
0: Is this? Is this? Take it with a grain of salt, lad.
2: Hobbs, will you get off that extension, please? Well, I've got to protect the lad. Hobbs, shut up. You'll
0: never do that, Platt.
2: I will. I've made up my mind.
0: Poetry, may I? Now
2: be quiet. Are you there,
0: Geoffrey Considine? Yes. Yes, is this... This
2: is Mary Westlake, dear boy.
0: Miss Westlake.
2: I've been reading your work, and I've been inspired. Don't take it too serious, lad. Hobbs, quiet. I
0: I wrote it with you in mind. While I was writing it, I was thinking all the time of you.
2: (laughs) What fun for you. I'm going to do your play, Geoffrey. I'm determined to do it, and I want to talk to you about it at once.
0: Well, yes, yes, of course.
2: So I'm coming down to see you. Here? Of course.
0: To Hinton St. Henry.
2: At once, dear boy. A play like yours can't be discussed in London. The atmosphere isn't right. It's too, too garish, too harsh, too cruel, too clever. To talk about a play like yours, I must get back to the soil, to those forces of nature that made you write your play. I, I see. Take
0: it easy, lad. Relax.
2: Hobbs, quiet. All right. Are you there, Jeffrey dear?
0: Yes, I, I'm here. Don't stammer, lad.
2: I'll be down by train tomorrow, Geoffrey. Will you arrange for us to stay somewhere? Well,
0: you'll stay here, of course, at the vicarage.
2: How nice for you. I'll bring my manager with me. My foot, you will. Quiet, Hobbs. <laughs> Hobbs is always with me on such occasions. He's so good at business arrangements, he understands. Too.
0: Uh, buttering me up now she is. Well, he can stay with us too.
2: Oh, how nice. Hobbs feels your play is wonderfully poetic. And now. A fortune could be lost on
0: it.
2: So I want to talk to you about it at once, Jeffrey, and go over it with you line by line and learn exactly what you want.
0: Well, fine. Till
2: tomorrow then.
0: What train shall we meet?
2: Oh, just meet all of them from now on. We'll be on one of them. Au oh, revoir, dear boy. Evening, Harold, has another question oh, for you, Oh, how Miss nice, Westlake. how nice, how sweet of you all to see me all. One more question, Miss Westlake.
0: Evening, Harold, has another question, Miss Westlake. Oh,
2: yes, evening, Harold. How long do you expect to remain close to nature? Until I've soaked it up, young man, simply soaked it up.
0: When do you expect to perform Joan of Art, Miss Westlake? When
2: I fully understand. Do you it. really mean to devote the rest of your life to art? Absolutely. Art and poetry for the rest of my life. At least for the time being. (laughs) Goodbye. Goodbye. It was so nice of you all. Goodbye. Such a nice farewell.
0: You're a fine turn out of the press if I do say so myself.
2: Why do you suppose there was no one there from the pictorial? They're always so faithful. Oh, didn't I tell you? Tell me what?
0: They're sending two men along with us, two photographers. They're on the train now. Ah, oh. They'll be doing a series of pictures on Mary Westlake Goes Back to Nature.
3: <laughs>
2: well, I haven't thought of returning to nature in so much company. I do hope it'll be nice for them.
5: Sheila! Sheila! Oh, there you are. Hello, Mrs. Considine. Your uncle told me I'd find you in the garden. My dear, I want you and your uncle to come over for dinner this evening and meet Mary Westlake. Do you really? Of course. Oh, it's going to be quite an occasion I hope the dear Victor won't be too,
4: uh, too unnerved by it. He's he's trying to prepare his sermon for Sunday. Mrs. Canterdine, maybe I'd better not come. Why? Well, Jeffrey's in such a dither about Mary Westlake, he can't think about anything else. Sheila, are you jealous? Of course I am. I'm so jealous, I'm sure it sticks out of me like little claws. <laughs> My dear,
3: I think I'm glad.
4: But be intelligently jealous. Oh, I know I'm behaving childishly, but the way Geoffrey's been swooning all over the place ever since she called up, oh, I can't bear it. I know. He's been wandering around reciting his own poetry, the way he imagines her reading it, I suppose. Mrs. Considine, is Mary Westlake a good actress? You mean morally or technically? (laughs) I'm afraid, I really mean, is there any chance that Jeffrey won't fall head over heels in love with her if he hasn't already? Well, my dear, if he did, wouldn't it be the sort of thing young men often do? What? and probably
5: should do. Imagine you talking like that. Well, I'm sure it's better he does it before he's married than after but suppose he marries her. I don't think he will, my dear. I'm sure in the end he'll marry you.
4: Oh, I don't suppose I have the right to talk this way. It's not as if we were engaged. Well, we all hope you will be, my dear, before long. Well, it's just that we've always been so close, and ever since I came back from Canada, we've well, we've always sort of assumed I know, that... I know, and I know, I, and I think that's the way it'll turn out. Mm, if that woman doesn't whisk him away. Oh, I hate her. And now, now, she... Well, don't you see I'm just the girl next door, and she's... Oh, she's brilliant. Well, that's just
5: why she won't do, for marriage. The successful marriage is the one in which the husband believes he's brilliant, and the wife pretends she isn't. <laughs> the result is perfect bliss for the husband.
4: <laughs> but still, I'm scared of that woman, and I'm going to fight her tooth and nail for Jeffrey. Tooth and nail, Mrs. Considine.
3: Bravo, dear, Bravo. <laughs>
0: Yes?
4: Uncle, you've got to do something for me.
0: Now, dear, you know that when I'm working on my memoirs, I don't like to be... Uncle,
4: please. But
0: this chapter needs the most severe concentration.
4: Now, put down your pen, Uncle. Oh,
0: whatever do
3: you want?
4: Something very special and exciting for you. Oh? For tonight, I want you to dress up as handsomely as you possibly can. Not that you aren't always very distinguished looking, but for tonight... Oh,
6: my dear, meeting an actress is nothing so very special in my life. I've known an actress or two in my day.
4: (laughs) I'm sure of it, and that's just the point.
0: What is the point?
4: Well, the point is, you being a former career diplomat and the only man of the world in this town and the only person who could possibly succeed in this problem of diplomacy, I want you to handle it. My
0: dear, you make it sound like a most dangerous mission.
4: Uncle, I want you to save Jeffrey for me. You must make love to Mary Wesley. To make love to... Oh,
3: I'm sure. oh, you've got
4: to, Uncle. You've simply got to. Jeffrey is just mad about it. He's acting silly with infatuation. And I want you to see to it that she pays absolutely no attention to him, whatever. I want you to dazzle her, But, uncle. my
0: dear, 25 years I've given to the service of my country. Seems to me I've done enough.
4: This is one more thing you've got to do for England, Uncle.
0: But, my dear, I've retired from active service.
4: But you're still in very good trim, Uncle. You've got to save my Jeffrey.
2: Oh, Mrs. Considine, how beautiful your home is. I always think it's such a beautiful thing to have a beautiful home. Well, uh, thank you, Miss Westlake. And, uh, Uh,
0: Miss Westlake, uh, this is my father, the Reverend Considine. How do you do?
2: Why, you look as lovable as can be. I'm so glad you're a clergyman. I think the church is such a nice institution. Well,
0: thank you. And uh, this is Sheila Blanding, who lives next door.
2: I'm glad to know you.
0: Mm, you're pretty.
2: Next door, indeed.
0: And this Miss Westlake is Sir Uh, Henry... Geoffrey,
2: dear, why don't you call me Mary? After all, we've known each other now. Call me Mary.
0: All right. Mary? Now, who is this distinguished gentleman? This is our neighbor, Sir Henry Blanding, Sheila's uncle and guardian. Mm, Delighted and honored, Miss Westlake.
2: Sir Henry? You look like one of those men who made us what we are today.
3: (laughs) (laughs) Uh,
6: I've often seen you act, Miss Westlake, in London and elsewhere.
2: Oh, how nice for you.
4: <laughs> Uncle was in the diplomatic service, and for a while he was governor of Andabar. Ah. Mm, how monstrous. Uh. And he's writing his memoirs now.
0: I am at present working on a chapter on the marriage customs in Andabar. <laughs> Fascinating subject.
2: Do they marry a great deal in Anderbar?
0: Excessively.
2: How revolting. You and I must have a quiet talk about Anderbar. Mm-hmm.
0: I shall be delighted.
2: And now I think I know everyone. Oh, except you, dear. Who are you? Why, we just met. I'm Sheila Blanding. Oh, but it's so nice meeting people again, even if you didn't like them the first time.
3: <laughs>
2: mm, you are pretty. Now I think we've all met.
0: I'm begging your pardon, my name's Obbs.
2: Oh yes, my business manager, isn't he nice?
0: Welcome to our home, Mister Obbs. Obbs is the name, Reverend, not Obbs. Oh, Hobbs. That's right, Obbs. Now I'd like to explain. <laughs> While we are staying here, these two photographer gentlemen will be staying at the inn. And every now and then, they'll... Oh, go. Got it. Oh, got it. Oh, yes. Fine picture. Excellent. We'll caption that Miss Westlake surrounded by village family. Good heavens, what do you... Oh, mean? you
2: don't mind, do you? They're always doing that to me. They flash those things at me constantly. At dinner, at breakfast, in be- All the time. You, you get used
0: to it. I suppose one can get used to almost everything.
2: Oh, yes. It's a dreadful trial, but I managed to put up with it. My public, you know. Miss Westlake, wouldn't you like to be shown to your room now? Indeed, I would and afterwards after dinner i would like jeffrey to read his brilliant play aloud to all of us together
0: will you dear boy well all right certainly if you want me to
2: oh i do you see i want to observe the effect of your play on just ordinary people uh, yes i see <laughs> Yeah, now, what on earth is oh,
5: oh, oh, that's Miss Mims and her troop of girl guides come to pay their respects. How
0: delightful, Miss Mims. Oh, I say. How very sweet.
3: Open the door.
5: Girl guides. Come in, Miss Mims. And go. But why Mims? It's her name.
2: Yes, I know, but why? Guides, forward, march. To the left flank, march.
5: Uh, Miss Westlake, this is Miss Mims, commandant of our local girl guides.
2: Girl guides of Hinton St. Henry salute you, Miss Westlake. Mm. How nice for them. Will you have tea, Miss Mims? Never take stimulants, thank you. What a charming uniform you're wearing, Miss Mims. No, don't go in for charm. Our ideal is utility. Oh, how very charming. Uh, Miss Westlake, the girl guides of Hinton St. Henry hereby confer on you honorary membership in our troop. First honorary membership granted since Queen Victoria. Oh, dear me. Uh, <clears throat> want to say, uh, if there's ever any way in which we can serve, do let us know. Hobbs, make a note of it. Yes, ma'am. I salute you. Mary Westlake, girl guide. <laughs> blue bugles,
3: blow. Blue. <laughs>
2: Jeffrey, dear, is this where we're going to read the play? Here on this lovely veranda?
0: That's what we'd planned.
2: Perfect. A perfect setting. I guess the
0: others will be along in just a second. Mother's taking her coffee and the others are looking at the garden.
2: Such a beautiful home. No wonder you're a poet.
0: Miss Westlake. Uh, Mary.
2: Yes, Jeffrey.
0: I want to say how much it means to all of us to have you here. We all think so highly of you. We all think you're so wonderful. <laughs> I remember the time I went to London and saw you act. I liked you so much that I went and stood at the stage door until you came out. Oh, how nice for you. I wanted to tell you how much I admired your performance, but when you came out, I, I just couldn't speak. <laughs> I felt like a fool.
2: Yes, I expect you did. Uh, there was another lady with you, and you kissed her goodbye, and I... I kissed a woman in public. And uh, I wished I was in her place. I wanted to go right up to you and kiss you.
0: What do you think of that?
2: Why didn't you? Well, uh, we hadn't even been introduced then. But we have now. <laughs> yes, we, we have now. So I'll kiss you now. Mmm. Mmm. <laughs> mm, how wholesome.
3: <laughs> What's the matter?
0: Sheila Blanding. She just looked in from the garden. I think she saw
2: us. How dreadful for her, but how nice for me. Kiss me again.
0: Mm. Got, got what? It. My word. Got it. Fine picture. Fine shot.
2: Good heavens, what on earth? Oh, don't pay any attention to them, my dear boy. They're only the photographers. Now, let's see, where were we? Oh, yes, you were kissing me. Come here. Oh, how nice. Oh, how nice.
0: moment, we will continue with the second act of Mary, Mary, Quite Contrary, produced by the Theatre Guild on the Air and sponsored by the United States Steel Corporation. And here speaking for United States Steel is George Hicks.
6: Good evening. One afternoon last week, my wife had a headache because she'd been standing in line for nylons. So she took a couple of aspirin tablets and soon felt better. Now what has that got to do with you or with the United States Steel Corporation? The answer is plenty. Because both the nylons and the aspirin, as well as such familiar things as sulfur drugs, perfumes, automobile tires, phonograph records, DDT, and many other products, are made possible by modern industry. Here's how it's done. Coke, as you may know, is the fuel used to smelt iron ore in the steel industry's blast furnaces. And all these products, so vital to our modern civilization, are made possible when coal is burned to make this coke made possible by the magic of modern chemistry and constant research through which the enormous quantities of gas or coal fumes that used to be wasted are now painstakingly conserved in the modern byproduct coke ovens of the American steel industry. Yes, these huge coke and coal chemical plants of the United States Steel Corporation and other members of the American steel industry have become very important in your life and mine. The substances that formerly went up in smoke are now enriching our civilization and providing the basis for vast new industries. Each ton of coal carbonized in these ovens makes about 1,500 pounds of coke, 11,000 cubic feet of gases, 3 gallons of light oils, and some 8 to 10 gallons of coal tar. It is from the products in the gas, oil, and tar that come the thousands of things that make the magic of our modern chemical world. And as the research workers of United States Steel Corporation and other industries dig deeper into the realm of this coal chemical magic, they keep coming up with new products, which they're convinced will do even more wonderful things in making tomorrow's world a better world to live in.
0: We pause now for station identification. You are listening to KECA Los Angeles. You are listening to the Theatre Guild on the air, sponsored by the industrial family that serves the nation, United States Steel. Tonight's play, St. Irvine's comedy success, Mary Mary Quite Contrary, stars Gertrude Lawrence in the title role and features Peggy Conklin as Sheila and Donald Buker as Jeffrey. Now the curtain rises on the second act. At the vicarage, the family, guests, and neighbors are assembling after dinner for the reading of the play in which Mary Westlake intends to appear. Meanwhile, in the garden, Sheila waylays her uncle, Sir Henry. Uncle! Yes, dear?
4: You remember what I asked you to do earlier today? Of course,
0: dear, but really... You've got to do it. But it wouldn't be suitable. A man in my position, I have a certain dignity to uphold. A moral responsibility to...
4: I started up the veranda steps just now, and I saw that woman kissing Jeffrey.
0: Kissing Jeffrey? They've only just met.
4: With her arms oozing round his neck. How perfectly shocking.
6: Oozing round his neck, you say?
4: And one hand tousling his hair. What
6: brazenness!
4: No, I know that women are attracted to youth, but, Uncle, experience must count for something.
0: Oh, (laughs) indeed, experience does count.
4: And I'm sure that if you set your mind to it, you could save my Jeffrey.
0: Now, dear, really... You've made a
4: good impression on her already, I know.
6: You think so? Oh, yes. Really? Oh, I
4: could see it. She was fascinated by you. Indeed. She saw at once that you were a man of the world. Well... She saw that you lived a full life and weren't just a callow youth. Youth.
6: Well, we'll have to think about this. Did you say her arms oozing round his neck?
4: Yes, Uncle.
6: Well,
0: something certainly should be done to save the boy. Now, if I should oh, dem- I say, you 2 I've been looking for you. They're waiting for you for the reading of the poetic drama. Oh, uh, yes. We were just coming in. Come, Sheila.
4: Mr. Hobbs. Yes, miss? Will you tell me something, please?
0: Oh, well, if I can, if it ain't of a private nature.
4: This is a public problem, Mr. Hobbs. Tell us more about Miss Westlake. Has she often been in love?
0: Why, miss, a woman with her powers of expression ain't often out of love.
4: Has she been married at all?
0: Oh, yes, miss. Her husband's dead.
4: I'm sorry to hear it.
0: Oh, I don't know. It was a blessed release for him. (laughs) Being Miss Westlake's husband is a hard job. Even harder than being her manager, I'd say. But surely fraught with interest.
4: What is she like? Tell me, please.
0: Well, I'll answer you, miss. Miss Westlake is all the parts she's ever played all mixed up. So she's everyone and she's no one. She don't exist. She ain't real. Do you mean? How terribly
2: puzzling. Gracious. Oh, there you are. You kept us waiting. Oh,
0: we're due, at this, are we? we
2: didn't mean to. We just lost track of the time. Now, dear Sir Henry, our handsome Viceroy, sit here on the couch. Uh,
0: yes, sit there, Sir Henry.
2: Well, there's plenty of
0: room for all of us. Oh, yes, plenty, plenty. Sit down.
2: And you, let's see, what was your name again? The name
4: is Sheila Blanding. Remember, we met this afternoon. Oh, well, then let's put you here on the piano stool.
2: You don't like me, do you? I hardly know you. Oh, that isn't necessary. Lots of people dislike me who don't know me at all. Well, I haven't any particular feelings about you. Oh, I'd rather be disliked than ignored. Do the rest of you dislike me? Oh, Oh, no, no. no. indeed, no. Oh, well, that's Mm. extraordinary. Oh, well, uh, let's begin with the play. Perhaps you've noticed I have an irrelevant mind. (laughs) Ready? uh, Now, silence, silence. The lights dim, the footlights are on, the curtains part. Go ahead, Geoffrey, dear. I'm afraid I shall read it badly. Well, you don't have to act it. Go on, dear.
0: Joan of Arc, a poetic play by Geoffrey Considine, Act
2: One. As the curtains
0: part, we see One a young... One moment,
2: dear boy. Before Geoffrey continues, I must explain to you all that poets should never, never be interrupted. A poet's nature is so sensitive that the slightest disturbance upsets him and makes him shrink into, in fear into his inner self. Therefore, I must ask you all not to interrupt. Let us have silence. Good, go ahead, Geoffrey. Joan of Arc, a poetic play by Geoffrey Considine, Act One. as Sheila, Sheila, don't fidget, girl, don't fidget. I'm not fidgeting. You are indeed, don't do it. It's very unnerving. Go ahead, Geoffrey, dear. It's very nice so far. You're reading it well. Shall I begin again? Yeah, perhaps you'd better. And please remember no interruptions.
0: Joan of Arc, a poetic play by Geoffrey Considine, act one. Doesn't
2: that sound beautiful? Joan of Arc, a poetic play by Jeffrey Considine, starring Mary Westlake. Sounds simply enchanting. Jeffrey, you really have got that touch. You really have, dear boy. Go on. Joan of Arc, a poetic play by Jeffrey. <coughs> Ge- got it. I got it fine <laughs>
0: shot. We'll call that the reading of the
2: play. Oh, don't mind the photographers, dear boy. They'll just hover in the background. Go ahead. A
0: poetic play by. I think I'll skip this part. Enter Joan, whose age is 13. 13? You mean to say Miss Westlake's got to be 13? Oh, in this scene, yes. Joan was 13 when she first saw Vision. Well, it's impossible. They won't swallow it.
2: And why not? Juliet wasn't 14 when
0: Romeo first met her. But it's ridiculous to ask Miss Westlake at her age. At
2: my age? And what is my age?
0: Well, I don't know exactly, but it's more than 13.
2: I have played Juliet, and I shall play Joan. I shall play the part of Joan of Arc 13 or no 13. I am actress. I have no age. I am ageless.
3: you
0: mean like the rock brought Gibraltar?
2: <laughs> I shall play Joan of Arc.
0: Like I always say, have it your own way. Go ahead, Geoffrey dear. Enter Joan, who is ages 13. She walks across the stage to the pump, which is at the bottom. You know, water. I don't
2: think we ought to go on with this the atmosphere isn't right. For some reason, you people aren't serene and relaxed. What's the matter with you all?
0: we've been trying very hard to be relaxed. I've been making a special effort myself.
2: So have I. And
0: I, too, I assure you.
2: I keep looking at the bay out there, nature itself. Nature is so basic, don't you think?
3: Oh, yes, indeed. indeed. That
2: is the strength of your play, Geoffrey. And that's the spirit I came here to find. So instead of reading on, why don't you and I, Geoffrey, go out in a boat now? There on the bay and talk about your play. Would you like to?
0: Why yes, of course. I'd love to. Uh, that is it. But isn't you... it rather late? Isn't I should I... think so, indeed, indeed. Oh no, of course not. But the tide will be out soon, and uh... Father, please don't interfere. We'll be all right. And if Miss Westlake feels that's the proper atmosphere to to talk about my play, well, then I think the least we can do is oblige her when she's come all this way. How nicely you
2: put it. I'll go and get my coat. I'll get mine, too. Ready in five minutes? Right.
4: To get into action, it must be now. What
0: can I do? That's for
4: you to decide. You're the diplomat. But please do something. There's
0: hardly time. Where is Jeffrey now? He's
4: just arranged for the boat. He's in the garden now, waiting for her.
5: Hello? Oh, yes, yes, I'll call her. Miss Westlake, there's a call from London for you. Coffee.
4: There's your chance, Uncle. After the phone call, tackle her.
0: Tackle
3: her?
4: I'll go talk to Jeffrey and keep him busy charm her uncle, please. You've got to prevent that
3: boat ride.
2: Hello? Hello, hello. Are you there? Bibi, it's you.
0: Mary, I've been trying desperately to locate you. Desperately.
2: How did you finally learn where I was?
0: In the newspapers. I read all about your return to fundamental things. What Tommy Rutt?
2: Beebe, did you call me up to tell me that?
0: No, I did not. Now, listen, Mary, I want to know what you intend to do about my play.
2: To do about
0: it? Mary, I need you. The play needs you. Now, I've I've been thinking things over, and i am prepared to give you 50 pounds more than my last offer.
2: But that's not what I asked for, Beebe. But
0: hang it, I'm offering you a compromise.
2: Did I ask for a compromise? I've named my price, Beebe, and that's what it's got to be. But
3: this, this is criminal. This is unreasonable.
2: You always love me best when I'm unreasonable. Besides, B.B., I've set my heart on the poetic drama.
3: Oh, oh, Tosh,
0: Mary, for the last time, will you accept my offer?
2: No, B.B., no, no, no.
0: Then hang it. This is the end. Do you hear? This is the end.
2: So you told me, B.B. Goodbye. Till we meet again.
6: Ah, Miss
3: Wesley
2: behold the viceroy
6: now miss westlake i wasn't really a viceroy
0: you know still the governorship of andabar was a grave responsibility oh
2: i'm sure the people you governed must have realized that
0: i think they did are you interested in colonial policy miss westlake
2: no are you
6: well yes that was my occupation
2: oh well then of course you must be interested in it how nice for you now that you've retired
6: when are we going to have our little chat about the marriage customs of andabar
2: whenever you wish when would you like it
0: the sooner the better i can hardly wait
2: why sir henry your approach suggests that you are opening diplomatic relations with me (laughs) well
6: that was the general idea
2: what's the next step
6: normally We should proceed boldly with an exchange of diplomatic notes.
2: Couldn't we dispense with that?
6: I was hoping so. Ah, Miss Westlake, Uh, may I call you Mary?
2: Of course, Henry, dear.
6: Mary, it's such a pleasure to have you here. A woman of such brilliance and understanding.
2: I rather thought that you and your pretty niece were worried about my presence. Afraid that I was turning darling Geoffrey away from her.
6: Why, no such thing.
2: But you as a man of the world will understand that it would do no good for her if I refused dear Geoffrey's ardent attentions. No matter how much I would like to help her.
6: Then you are
0: fond of her.
2: Why shouldn't I be? She has such a transparent nature. It must be very nice for you all.
6: And what are your feelings toward Geoffrey?
2: Henry, how would I know? It's hard enough to understand other people without trying to understand oneself.
6: Then you don't know your own
0: intentions
2: toward him? Of course not. I never do. <laughs> That's the fun. Hmm,
6: how deucedly puzzling.
2: Do you know, know how you feel about me?
6: <laughs> well, uh, rather. <laughs> oh,
2: I'm glad to hear it. Then you didn't come to charm me only to help your little niece you had other motives too
6: i assure you i
2: did how nice what were you going to suggest
6: i was going to
0: suggest that for the general benefit of mankind as well as for yours and mine you forget your boat ride with jeffrey and slip off with me
2: why sir henry what a villainous idea where can we go
0: (laughs) while jeffrey's in the garden What's to prevent us from slipping out the back way here, grabbing my boat, and rowing off for the open bay and
6: high adventure? Why, Sir
2: Henry, how resourceful you are.
6: Will you come?
2: Yes, I will. Quick,
6: then, this way.
3: I
4: love sitting here in the garden, Jeff.
0: Yes, it is nice here. I wonder what's keeping Miss Westlake. Oh,
4: just for a moment, let's not talk about Mary Westlake, Jeff.
0: I know, but she was just getting her coat. She said she'd only be five minutes.
4: Jeffrey, dear women always say that.
0: Isn't she a dazzling personality, Sheila? She's really wonderful, isn't she? I suppose so. Not so keen on Hobbs, though, that manager of hers.
4: He hasn't the same style of beauty, has he?
0: He's so common and commercial-minded. Doesn't understand her artistic impulses at all.
4: No, I suppose not. I
0: wonder what's keeping her...
4: She's just renovating herself, Jeff. As you get older, it takes more and more time.
0: Why, Sheila, what a thing for you to say. That's not like you. Oh,
4: Jeff, let's not quarrel. I was just thinking of all the times you and I have sat in this garden and looked out at the sea.
0: Yes, that's right.
4: It was here you read me one of your first poems. You wrote it for me.
0: I remember. Sure.
4: I know every word of it. I'll never forget it. Oh, my heart. Oh, this place. Oh, that dear, familiar face.
0: Now, please, Sheila, don't recite that. Oh, but it's
4: beautiful.
0: Oh, I'm afraid it's kind of juvenile. One of my younger efforts, I guess.
4: Well, I think it's a lot better than some of your later things. Certainly better than what you've been writing in your, shall we say, Mary Westlake period.
0: Now, Sheila, what a way to talk. Oh,
4: why shouldn't I talk that way when you've been acting so absolutely silly? Sheila,
0: please. This petty jealousy isn't worthy of you. And it just shows me what I've begun to suspect. That you aren't exactly the kind of... Uh,
4: Come on finish what you were saying please
0: good heavens no what it can't be that's impossible what is out there out there in the bay mary westlake and i could shoot him that's the vilest trick anyone ever did to me your uncle well,
4: why not shoot mary westlake instead really
0: this is it's treachery she came down here to see me and talk about my play
4: so does she have to hold hands in a boat with you
0: who said anything about holding hands we were going to discuss the play
4: oh yes of course
0: we were why, Sheila, I'm surprised at you. You've got a nasty mind.
4: Don't say such things to me, Jeffrey, please.
0: I see it all now. Your uncle and you. Oh,
4: Jeffrey. You put
0: him up to this. Don't
4: you see you're being made a fool of?
0: Didn't you? Didn't Don't you? Don't you see
4: that she's just amusing herself with you? That you're just a diversion to her? Will you
0: answer me, please? All
4: right, I will. Yes, I did suggest it to him. There, I knew it. I wanted to show you how foolish you were. That's all I wanted to know. I wanted to show you how shallow and flighty and worthless she is. Don't
0: you dare talk that way. But Jeffrey, not Don't can't... you dare for you to criticize Mary Westlake, one of the noblest people living after what you just did.
4: Jeffrey, I tried to help
0: you. You've them. ruined it, don't you see? For a year, I work on a play, and at last, I'm on the verge of production, and Mary Westlake is here to talk about terms, and all you can think about is to come between me and my play.
4: Jeffrey, I never did. Please.
0: And to think I once dreamed of sharing the success with you.
3: Jeff.
0: But now I'm through, do you hear? I'm through. I'm through. I'm through. <laughs> In a moment, we will continue with the third act of Mary, Mary, Quite Contrary, produced by the Theatre Guild on the Air and sponsored by the United States Steel Corporation. And here again, speaking for United States Steel is George Hicks.
6: One spring day, many years ago, a youngster named Edward Queberman started out to find a job. He did and became the junior office boy in the cement department of what was then the Illinois Steel Company. He worked hard and became a clerk and then a salesman. When the cement department was made an independent organization, he was already a veteran of 10 years' experience. Today, after 50 years with the same company, Edward Quibberman is a sales manager of the Universal Atlas Cement Company, a member of the United States steel family. And during these years, he's helped to make the cement industry grow from almost nothing to giant size. When he started, a little cement was used in the cities. It was scarcely ever used on farms and not even thought of for streets and roads. He was one of the men who helped to show America what could be done with the molded stone called concrete. Looking around us, we can see very easily what a tremendous part cement has played in building our modern nation. Concrete in its various forms serves us at almost every moment of our entire lives. In doing this, the cement industry has grown amazingly. The Universal Atlas Cement Company alone can now produce more cement in four days than the entire industry did in a year back in 1896. Since that date, Universal Atlas has shipped more than three-quarters of a billion barrels of cement, enough to build a two-lane highway nine times around the world, and most of it is still serving a useful purpose. And during that time, the cost of cement has gone down and down, while its usefulness and value have been constantly improved. Modern cement is far better than it was half a century ago. And improvement will continue. Helping to supply the material for building a greater and stronger country is the job of this member of the industrial family that serves the nation, United States Steel.
0: And now the curtain rises on the third act of St. John Irvine's famous comedy success, Mary Mary, Quite Contrary, produced by the Theatre Guild on the air and sponsored by United States Steel, starring Gertrude Lawrence as Mary Westlake, and featuring Peggy Conklin as Sheila and Donald Buker as Geoffrey. Morning dawns on the vicarage of Hinton St. Henry. And at the vicarage, we find the Reverend Considine, Mrs. Considine, and Geoffrey at breakfast. Hmm, isn't it quiet?
5: Oh, heavenly quiet.
0: The first feeling of peace I've had since, well, since... uh... Go ahead, say it, Father, since Mary Westlake arrived.
5: Well, you must admit, my dear, she is distracting.
0: Nerve-wracking. Perhaps this morning I shall have a few quiet moments on my sermon. I am speaking on the nobility of womanhood.
5: A very good subject.
0: But I find it very difficult to concentrate on it. Now what? I'll go, dear.
4: Sheila. Come in, dear. Mrs. Considine, I just discovered something awful. Oh, what is
0: it? Hello, Sheila. Hello,
4: Reverend Considine. The most dreadful thing. I took Uncle Henry's breakfast up to him, as I always do, and... He isn't there. Not there? Perhaps he went for an early morning walk. It couldn't be that. The point is, his bed hasn't been slept in. Oh, dear. Heaven
0: on my word.
4: Oh, I'm most terribly worried. His boat is not at the beach. So they must still be out in it, he and Miss Wesley. Good Lord. Has Miss Wesley come home?
0: But well, I don't know. We all went to bed early and left the door open for her. Perhaps
4: I'd better go in. Oh, please. yes, please do. I'm so oh,
0: worried. Oh, Why, this is dreadful. This could be very serious. Well, of course it could. They may have met some terrible accident. Now, Geoffrey, don't jump to conclusions. But out on the sea in the middle of the night, why... Sir Henry's boat is very steady, and he's a good boatsman. But they may have lost control of it, or capsized or been driven far out to sea. Just think of them. Out there all night exposed to the elements. Now, Geoffrey, it's been a very calm night. But, Father, it could be frightful. Of course it could. But oh, it's not
5: great. Hey, Sheila's right. There's no one there. And the bed hasn't been slept
0: in. Oh, dear me. What's this? Whose bed hasn't been slept in? Oh, good morning, Mr. Hobbs. Miss Westlake is missing. Isn't that awful? Missing?
4: Mm, uncle Henry, too. I, I'm afraid he's still out in the boat with Miss Westlake. Well,
0: don't worry, miss. Your uncle can take care of himself. Aren't you worried, Hobbs? Not me. But... He's ever too serious with her. He must have had an accident. No one is. Has... I don't know what do has been in since I've been by accident. There hasn't been a scandal What to do? Well, I know one thing we must do. Oh, um, honey, of course we
3: must at once.
0: I'm just going to stretch out along the shore. And bend out boats
3: Girl, guys, shun.
5: This is your hour, girl. Your hour for action. You will save Miss Wesley. To fly along the beach, one girl guide every
3: fifty yards to the rescue. That's
0: them, all right. Yes, it is. It is. Oh, thank heaven they'll see.
3: Girl guides,
0: you've done it. (laughs) Miss Westlake's standing up in the boat, waving her scarf. Apparently, they've been taken aboard a fishing boat, and it's towing their boat.
3: Hello. Hello, Mary.
0: Jeffrey, please restrain yourself. Yes, take it easy, lad. Hello. I believe Sir Henry's sitting on a pile of fish. I believe you're right. Photographers, are you ready?
3: Right out. All
0: set. All ready, sir. What, what's this? No, no, no. No more pictures. Oh, These will be the best yet, Reverend. We'll call this the return from nature. I'd suggest that you get a shot of Sir Henry sitting on that pile of areas. No, no, no. Please, I beg you, Mr. Hobbs. But what's the use of them staying out all night, suffering untold hardship in an open boat, and then getting no publicity? Publicity? Oh, dear, the very thought oh, fills me with horror. Let us have the common decency Hello. not to... Hello!
3: Hello,
2: Mary! Are you all right? Oh, we had
0: the most glorious adventure, the most wonderful night. I thought as much.
3: Oh, uncle, uncle, well, are, you are you all
2: right? right? Yes. That's you sure? it. Help them, girl, guys. Here we are, thank you. Yes,
3: here we are. Achoo.
2: I'm afraid the Henry's caught a little sniffle. Are you all right? Whatever happened to you? We lost the oars.
3: We lost the oars.
0: You lost the oars. Oh,
2: that's right. I lost the oars. Oh, we've had a most agitatious time. There's
0: no such word. Yes,
2: there is. I just made it up.
0: Oh, what a night. What a night.
2: You see, after the oars went off by themselves, the boat kept drifting out to sea. And finally, these delightful fishermen came along. Goodbye, Jack, dear. Thank you again. Goodbye, Mary Dolan. And so they took us
3: aboard. Oh, what a night.
2: What a wonderful night. What a
0: story. Got it. Got a, it. A beautiful shot.
2: Henry and the
0: Erin. What's that? Mr. Hobbs, The photo- those photos the photographers, they must destroy those plates immediately. I don't know as they'll agree to that, would you, men? No. No, indeed, sir. An excellent shot. Were you thinking of publishing those? Well, you don't want to have suffered in vain, do you? I warn you, if you use those pictures in the public press, I'll prosecute you. There. I knew you wouldn't let me down, Sir Henry. Let you down? What are you talking about, man? A lawsuit. That'll make it page one. What's that? Mr. Holmes, mm-hmm. please. <laughs> <laughs> Why, you blackguard.
3: You insult... <laughs> what were you saying? Oh, please, let's get them inside. We're at <laughs> Yes,
4: all of you come. We'll make a fire.
3: Good day, Miss. Yeah, there, we'll
0: now, uh, do you feel better, both of you? Much better, thank you.
2: I felt splendid all along. Oh, I keep remembering how we went up and down. Please. Up and down. Oh, please,
0: don't betcha this. I'm
2: sorry, Henry. Uh, yeah, I, uh, yes, Reverend Considine, you were going to say something. I,
0: I did wish to speak for a moment, if I may.
2: Of course, of course. Quiet, everybody. He's going to speak. I want to express first our indescribable relief over
0: the safety of both of you. But now, can we not have a pledge not to use this incident in any way in the press? I'm afraid I can't go along with you. You can't? This is too good a thing to throw away. It's a great story. This is... But don't you realize, Mr. Hobbs, that the indignity of... Just a minute, Father. May I say something? Of course, Geoffrey. It's quite obvious that this gentleman is not going to help you. And that what has happened will be told in the press. So I think we should realize that Miss Westlake, as our guest in this house, has been hopelessly compromised.
2: Oh, you dear young man, what a nice thing to think about. In fact, she may well be publicly disgraced. There, you're the only one who's thought about my reputation. It's very sweet and don't think I don't appreciate
0: it. What's he worrying about? Now, I've been waiting in vain, I'm afraid, for some offer by a certain Something at Jeff. Sir Henry seems more interested in his own discomforts. And so, since Miss Westlake is, after all, my guest... I feel there is only one thing I can do. I offer her my hand in marriage. <laughs> oh, oh dear God. God.
2: I must say that's one of the loveliest proposals I've ever had. How nice that you were all here to see it. How nice for you. But,
0: my dear boy, I'm sure that it isn't necessary. Of
2: course not, Jeff. But
0: don't you see Miss Westlake, that... I trust you will overlook my son's romantic proposal.
2: Oh, no, I don't intend to at all. What do you mean? I accept. You well, accept? Yes, yes. Of course, I always accept. But I, uh, uh,
0: just a moment. May I speak? Of course, Sir Henry. Miss Westlake.
2: Yes, my dear Viceroy, you have the floor.
0: Perhaps. During the night, I've been over fearful for our safety. But I was learning to admire the spirit with which you faced adversity. Mm -hmm. And now, not in order to defend your reputation. For I realize that is impossible. Really? What does he mean? Oh, dear, what am I saying? Uh, What I mean is, Mary, will you be my wife? Mr. Henry? But, but Sir Henry, this is impossible. I ask it, Mary, not out of chivalry, but uh, it would be so nice for me.
2: How well you put it.
0: Will you marry me? But she can't. She's just accepted me.
2: Never mind, Geoffrey. I'll accept him, too. You don't? What?
0: Oh, thank you, Mary.
2: But you're engaged to me. Then I'll be engaged to both of you. But
0: that's impossible. Which one are you going to marry? Oh,
2: how do I know? I never know these things in advance. Oh, dear, this
0: is most puzzling.
2: There's no law against being engaged to two people at the same time, is there? Well, is there?
0: Oh, no, I, I suppose not.
2: Oh, dear, now
0: what?
5: I'll open the door, dear. Yes?
0: I'm looking for Mary Wesley.
2: Bebe! Where she is? Yes, who shall I say is calling Oh, Bebe, dear, I'm glad you came down. I really have missed you.
0: Uh, uh, Hello, Mary, I had to see you. Hello, Bebe. Oh, hello, Hobbs. Well, well.
2: Come and join our meeting. We're having a sort of open forum to thrash out my private affairs. Everybody, I'd like you to meet B.B. Isn't he do? nice? How do you do? How do you do? B.B. has written and produced some of my most successful plays. And he's planning another one now, only we can't quite agree about it. Oh, yes, by the way, Bibi and I are engaged.
0: Engaged? Yes. But, but this is absurd. You're engaged to three people. Well, why not? But, but do you always accept people who propose to you?
2: Always. Oh,
0: don't let it trouble you. It's just one of her hobbies. Uh, by the way, Mary, could I talk to you for a few minutes?
2: Of course. Bibi dear, go ahead.
0: I mean in private.
2: Oh, my dear Bibi, go ahead. I'm sure there's nothing you can't say in front of these good friends. I'm engaged to some of them.
0: <laughs> well, it's about the play. Oh. Oh, yes. I've got to have you for that play, Mary. And so, though it may drive me completely into bankruptcy, I'll give you your price.
2: Then, Bibi dear, I'll be in your play. How nice for you.
0: Thank goodness. We'll sign the contract tonight. Oh, what a relief. But what about my play? you
2: Oh. Oh, you mean Joan of Arc.
0: You said you were going to do my play.
2: So I did. But now I suppose I'm going to do his after all.
0: But this is outrageous.
2: How so? Do you mean to say
0: that all this time you were negotiating with him for one of his cheap, frivolous plays? Now,
2: oh, Jeffrey, please. Of course I was. And now we've reached an agreement.
0: Well, I must say, I feel as if I'd been made a fool of.
2: My dear boy, I could be very angry with you. Only I won't be. What do you mean? I'm beginning to think you got engaged to me just as I would do your play.
0: Why, no such thing. This is outrageous. Don't say another word, please. I know when I've been double-crossed. Goodbye. Hmm.
2: What a nice boy that was. <laughs> well, Beebe, shall we return to London?
0: I think it would be a good idea. Hooray, right, I say. That's where we belong.
2: Mrs. Considine, you have a charming home. So peaceful, it's done me a world of good. Well, I'm glad you've had a good rest. Reverend Considine, goodbye. You're sweet. I like you very much. Well,
3: thank you.
0: Thank you. And don't be frightened, Reverend. She's leaving
3: now.
2: Sir Henry. Dear Henry.
0: Miss Westlake. Perhaps our engagement has begun to seem superfluous.
2: Well, if you say so, Sir Henry, I always agree, you know. Sheila, could I speak to you a moment before I go? Of course. I'll meet you at the car, then, in a moment. I'll just get my things. All right. And to all of you, goodbye. Hasn't it been nice? Mm -hmm. sheila yes it worked very nicely didn't it worked what worked jeffrey the way we managed it all you and i what do you mean well i led him on encouraged his infatuation and then rejected him in a way to outrage him completely it'll work it always does of course only you and i understood what we were doing we you're a clever girl sheila and now he'll come bouncing back to you just as you expected, and you will probably be married this very summer. Well, I don't see how Oh, you... by the way, the play. I am sorry about the play. Oh, you needn't be. One reason I want to do Bebe's play is to make pots of money so that I can do Joan of Arc afterwards.
3: Oh, really? Now, look, as
2: soon as I get back to London, I'm going to send you the contract. You hide it and say nothing to Geoffrey until the day you and he are married. Then give it to him. It'll be my wedding present to you both. Oh, Miss Westlake, how can I thank you? I hope you'll be happy, too. Are you going to marry Mr. Beebe? Oh, how should I? know? I never know these things. Well, we're off. You ready, Beebe?
3: Right.
2: You'll follow by train, Hob. Right you are. We're off, then. <laughs> Goodbye. Goodbye.
3: Bye. Good luck. Come on, see you Please. Got it.
0: Got it. Very fine shot. We'll call that Mary Westlake returns to London. What I always say is she don't exist. <laughs> The curtain has fallen on the Theatre Guild production of Mary Mary Quite Contrary, presented by the United States Steel Corporation. We're happy to remind our listeners that Miss Gertrude Lawrence is now appearing in Theatre Incorporated's production of George Bernard Shaw's Pygmalion at the Barrymore Theatre in New York. And now to Hollywood, where Lawrence Langner will tell you about next week's Theatre Guild play to be presented by the United States Steel Corporation.
1: Ladies and gentlemen... Next Sunday night, the Theatre Guild on the Air is going on tour again, moving from the Atlantic coast to the Pacific, and we shall bring you our next programme from the stage of the E. Bell Theatre in Hollywood. We have selected for this occasion a psychological murder melodrama, Payment Deferred, starring Charles Lawton and Elsa Lanchester. If you liked Mr. Lawton's brilliant screen portrayals, including Mutiny on the Bounty, Henry VIII, Ruggles of Red Gap and Captain Kidd, I'm sure you're going to like him with Elsa Lanchester in Payment Deferred, in which they made their greatest success on the London and Broadway stages and on the screen. And now, back in New York, and Mr. Brokenshire.
0: United States Steel Corporation hopes that you'll be with us next week at the same time when the Theater Guild on the air will present Jeffrey Dell's suspenseful drama, Payment Deferred, starring Charles Lawton and Elsa Lanchester. Remember, next week, from Hollywood, Payment Deferred. And remember, too, that when you see the USS label on any product, it means the steel is United States Steel. And the steel is good. The staff for the Theatre Guild on the Air includes Homer Fickett, director, George Kondolf producer, and Armina Marshall, executive director of the radio department. Music for tonight's play was composed and conducted by Harold Levy and the play adapted for radio by Eric Barnum. Your announcer, Norman Brokenshire.